Good morning. My name is Monica Romick, and I'll be reading our Bible passage today. It's found in Acts chapter 2, verses 14 through 41, and that starts on page 512 if you have the Pew Bible. And if you don't have a Bible at home or you know someone who would like a Bible, um, we hope that you will take one of these home. It's our gift to you. Uh, So page 512, Acts chapter 2, verses 14 through 41. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. David said about him, I saw the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body will also rest in hope, because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead. You will not let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. Fellow Israelites, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried, and his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was to come, he spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, that he was not abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of it. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. For David did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand, until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words he warned them, and he pleaded with them, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. The word of the Lord. Thank you, Monica. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you uh, for your word. Thank you for our time uh, in the book of Acts uh, and the 
challenge that it's been, but the encouragement as well. I pray that you would continue to encourage us, to challenge us, to grow us in your word, uh, grow us in our love for you and our love for each other. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So one of the things we talk about a lot here at Cornerstone is uh, sharing the gospel with others, like sharing your faith. And uh, it's maybe even the, kind of the, the big theme of uh, Outward Church, of this sermon series, like going out of our walls and making sure that we are sharing with others about Jesus and what he has done for us. And maybe some of you can relate to the, the situation where you're talking with friends or family or maybe even a stranger, and somehow uh, Christianity comes up. Somehow like your church comes up or something about God comes up, and you think to yourself, what a great opportunity to share about Jesus. And then you kind of watch that opportunity, right? Sail by you. You're like, oh, that would have been good. And later you're like kicking yourself like, man, I really, you know, the pastor always says I need to share the gospel. I wish that I had. Uh, Well, today I want us to look at an example of someone sharing the gospel, doing a gospel witness. We're looking at the apostle Peter and how he shared the gospel with uh, over 3,000 people. And I think he's a good example of, of someone who does share the gospel and that we can learn something from that and apply it to our own lives and our own kind of evangelistic opportunities. Now, Acts is a historical record, right? There is theology uh, in history, uh, but, but first, like, Acts is just a description. It's a description of what happened with the early church. And so that means that it's not necessarily a prescription, right? That doesn't mean uh, that everything we read in Acts that we have to then follow it as a church and have to model ourselves in the exact same way. I mean, otherwise, like, I'd be trying to preach to you in German uh, this morning uh, or some other foreign language. That's a reference to last week's uh, sermon, right? This speaking in other languages and God translating uh, for the people. Uh, But there are things we can still learn uh, from Acts, right? God gave us this. This is his word. And so we want to take what we can learn and apply it to our lives, apply it to our church, and just be amazed at God and who he is. And so I think that uh, we're going to begin to do that a little bit today as we look at uh, the apostle uh, uh, Peter sharing the gospel. And so let's just jump right into that. We are going to look at verses 14 through 41. I'm not going to read it all over again. But I think as we kind of navigate through this passage, we're going to see seven different steps uh, for sharing the gospel, for being a gospel witness in our own lives. And so the first step starts like this. Uh, Step number one, engage with objections. I hope that you can see that. Number one, engage with objections. The Apostle Peter, uh, one of the disciples of Jesus Christ, uh, he is not afraid to have a hard conversation with people who are actually mocking the early believers. So let's back up just a moment to last week. Last week was Pentecost, right? This, this festival where uh, the Holy Spirit comes down on uh, the early believers and there's the, the tongues of fire resting on each one of them and then they begin to speak in foreign languages and, and speak the gospel to those all around uh, the world who have come to Jerusalem. And some people think uh, these people must be drunk. Like they're filled with wine. Uh, they're, they're not uh, actually fluent. Uh, uh, verse 13 says, some, however, made fun of them and said they have had too much wine. That's pretty understandable, right? Because if I began to uh, uh, speak uh, fluent Mandarin right now, I just began preaching in fluent Mandarin, uh, no hint of like my 
weird Colorado accent uh, uh, in there, you would think, wow, this is amazing, or you would try to come up with some other excuse. Maybe you would think I'd had too much wine. Uh, and, and here we find them kind of objecting in that same way. Now, uh, you can all think back perhaps to a, a time when you were talking about Christianity or the subject came up and um, it wasn't really received super well, or the way it came up was uh, already um, aggressive or uh, kind of attacking Christianity, not just bringing it up as like, oh, this is an interesting topic, but man, you know, uh, criticizing those Christians. Uh, I think we've all, well, maybe we've all, uh, we can maybe think about a time in our own life where uh, someone raised objections towards us or just mocked us or uh, made fun of us. I remember I, I was thinking back through my own life, and uh, when I uh, graduated college, I worked in banking for a year outside of D.C., and I do remember I was on the road with some coworkers, and we went to dinner, and uh, we got into a conversation about Christianity, and at one point in the conversation, I pulled out a pocket Bible, and they started laughing at me, because they were like, what? Like, was this just leading to this part? Like, uh, like I'd planned the whole thing, and there she was right, I had planned that part. Uh, I had a plan to bring out, so I probably deserved the laughter. Uh, but maybe you can think of a time where, uh, you know, it hurt. Uh, you walked away, and it just kind of rubbed you the wrong way. Uh, well... I think we need to be uh, ready to push forward through that, right? It, it can be uncomfortable to share the gospel. And really, we want to get down to the heart of their questions, the heart of their objections. Uh, Peter could have walked away. He could have been like, okay, they just think we're drunk on wine. Uh, but instead uh, of feeling alienated or harassed, he, he was faithful and he was present and he stuck with it. And he stands up and the other apostles are there with him, uh, the other 11, and so there's this this very strong, uh, symbolic moment. They're united, uh, and Peter begins to engage with their objections. He says, fellow Jews, let me explain this to you. So he doesn't, he doesn't walk away. Instead, he, instead of shutting up and, and sitting down, he stands up, and he uh, powers up. Uh, he has the Holy Spirit, and he is ready to engage. Uh, one of the things uh, that I like about CrossFit, maybe you guys know that I do CrossFit, uh, is that uh, it gives me the opportunity to engage uh, at times that I uh, don't, uh, I'm not expecting it. And maybe you can think of your own life at your work, and, and maybe if people know like you're a Christian or they hear that you've gone to church, uh, they'll ask you a question. I can think of one time uh, where uh, one of the coaches came up and just like out of nowhere asked me about the abuses in the Catholic Church. And I was just like, whoa, I wasn't prepared for this. I'm just, you know, doing uh, my reps here. Uh, and it, it, it kind of took me back, but then it also gave me an opportunity to talk about the God of justice and a God who loves the little children uh, and a God who cares and, and will right all wrongs. And so uh, I think uh, the Holy Spirit can prepare you. No matter uh, when uh, and where uh, an objection is raised, if you're sensitive to the Holy Spirit and you're, and you're trusting God, and we'll get to that point a little bit later. Like God can speak through you. And so the first, uh, the first question is just to don't be afraid. Engage with objections. Uh, stay there and be present and talk it out. And the second uh, we find is uh, number two, to share Scripture. Now, uh, if you're like me, You'd probably prefer uh, step number two to be like, share your own testimony. Share a personal story. And uh, that is a valid option. Uh, 1 Peter 3, 5, uh, 15 says, always be prepared to give an answer 
doesn't say what the answer has to be. It just says give an answer when people ask you questions, when people raise objections. And if we were to turn to the end of Acts, we would find uh, 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 Paul actually sharing his testimony, his conversion story, his coming to Christ. Uh, and so there's an example of someone doing that. But today we're not looking at that one, and so I don't have number two as share a personal story. I actually have number two as share scripture, because that is what Peter does in our text today. And I think, uh, I think it's uh, important to remember that uh, there is something special about scripture. Uh, I know that each one of us in our personal stories, like it's, it's powerful, it's moving, right? It's, it's encouraging to see how God has moved in your life. And I want to encourage you just for a moment here. If you have not yet shared your faith story at Cornerstone, I want to challenge you to do that because that's an opportunity for you to learn uh, and, and to reflect on your own life and then be able to share it with your church family as a blessing to your church family. But then it's also an opportunity for you to kind of plug that into your, your mind, into your uh, back pocket, and then share that with someone else uh, when you have a gospel opportunity. And so if you haven't shared your faith story yet at Cornerstone, please come talk to me. But number two, the point here is that the Bible has power because the Bible is God's word, right? I have human words, but then there's also God's word that is available to me. Isaiah 55, 11 says this, so is, my, so is my word that goes out from my mouth, it will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which it is sent. So there's something powerful about God's word. There's something that can uh, kind of cross um, uh, nationalistic and ethnic lines and, and, and uh, people that you don't know, strangers. Uh, anyone can be touched by the word of God. And see, we want to share God's word because we want people to be moved by God himself. Like we want to move people with our stories, but ultimately we want God to move people. And so we need to share his story. And so that's what Peter does. As Peter begins to answer uh, these early objectors, he quotes the Old Testament. He talks about the Hebrew scriptures. Most, mostly these were Jewish people. These were um, brothers of, from Jerusalem, people that had uh, gathered. And so his audience here is Jewish. And so he turns to the prophet Joel and says, this is what is happening. He explains from the scriptures. Acts chapter 2, verse 17 He's actually quoting the prophet Joel. Uh, so I'm not looking at the whole passage, but Joel chapter 2, verses 28 through 32. And we see this in Acts 2, 17. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Peter is saying, you know, there was this prophecy that, uh, that Joel gave. Uh, to you, that God was going to do something uh, kind of in the last days. And your sons and daughters, they're going to prophesy and, uh, and, and be full of God's presence in a special way. And we see this coming to fruition. We see this happening. We see the beginning of uh, the fulfillment of this prophecy. And I think when we can kind of take a step back and look at Scripture and see how Scripture is fulfilled, there's just something powerful in that to say, okay, God's Word predicted it. And then, and then God's word fulfilled it. Like it it's a two-part uh, story. 
one of the things that I've enjoyed about our Christian ed class, right, the adult Christian ed class that I've been uh, attending is that uh, some of the things that uh, Terry uh, points out is the connection between the Old Testament and the New. And the more we see the connection between those two, uh, the more that reaffirms and strengthens and encourages our faith. And I think people that don't even know God, uh, when they hear these echoes that, that cross time and space, uh, that uh, God is connecting those dots, it, it, it is, it's powerful. Uh, I recently had a party at my house uh, where I tried, emphasis on tried, to invite both Christian friends and non-Christian friends uh, to talk about theology. And uh, one of the, th- uh, the kind of the, the theologies that one of my Christian friends was quick to bring up was the Dead Sea Scrolls. Now, I won't say who this was because I don't want to embarrass Terry. Uh, uh, <laughs> but I think the Dead Sea Scrolls are actually a very powerful thing to talk about. Now, if you don't know anything about the Dead Sea Scrolls, you know who to talk to. Uh, but there's this, this scroll called the Great Isaiah Scroll. And it has the book of Isaiah in it. And it has Isaiah chapter 53. For those of you that have read the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 53 is this, this amazing, powerful prophecy about the suffering servant. And if you look at Isaiah 53, it is clear there is only one person who can fulfill that prophecy, and that is Jesus, who suffered on our behalf. Now, if you back up and you think, okay, that's, that's amazing, but you know, maybe they, they wrote that in, like after Jesus came. No, we actually have the great Isaiah scroll, which predates the birth of Christ Jesus by over 125 years. And so you can look and see an actual parchment that talks about Jesus, that predates Jesus. That's powerful. Uh, that's moving. And then when you actually read Isaiah 53, you're moved even further. And so share scripture. Figure out ways that you can include uh, Bible verses as you go along. This is one of the reasons when we share our faith stories here at Cornerstone that I make sure that everyone who shares a faith story is also sharing a scripture passage that has spoken to them, that has moved them in their journey because I want, to, I want people to see the connection between my life being changed, but my life is changed by God and his word. And so that's why we incorporate those uh, together. So, first step is to engage with objections, and the second step is to share Scripture. The third step, which I already hinted at, is to uh, rely on the Holy Spirit. Now, there's something very sort of meta going on with Peter in this passage, because he is full of the Holy Spirit as he is then referencing the Holy Spirit. He's talking about the Holy Spirit and God's plan uh, for his Spirit to come. So something significant has changed at Pentecost. No longer does God's presence and God's spirit reside in like a temple made by human hands or a a tent like the tabernacle, but God's presence very clearly and significantly resides in his people, right? In, 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 In those that know and love Christ Jesus. That's where God's Holy Spirit resides. It's in his church body, which is still kind of called a temple. And so we see this in uh, uh, Acts chapter 2, 18. So we've already kind of looked at this, but even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days uh, and they will prophesy. And so this, this prophecy in Joel is talking about the spirit of God coming, the Holy Spirit uh, making his home among us. Now, I think it's important to say that anyone who believes uh, in the Messiah or has a relationship with God has the Holy Spirit in them uh, in the Old Testament. But there's still something significant and different happening here where God is formally saying, this is my house. 
My people are my house. This is my new temple. Uh, and so last week I told you uh, this amazing story of a friend of mine uh, who's going to be preaching here soon, uh, who uh, he's in the Marine Corps, and uh, when he was in Afghanistan, he was preaching uh, in English uh, with a group of Afghanis, and they didn't have a translator, and the Holy Spirit actually translated for him, like everyone understood his message. And that's like a powerful, amazing story of the kind of things uh, that, that, that uh, Joel promised. And actually that Jesus promised too. If we look at John 14, verse 12, it says this. Very truly I tell you, Jesus says, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. And so as we read the book of Acts, we're gonna see those greater things. We're gonna see the healing of the sick and the raising of the dead and, and uh, performing uh, miracles and, and speaking in one language and God translating to another language. And this only applies to that church, right? Like to that first church. <laughs> no. I think this applies to all followers of Christ, all believers. That if we have the Holy Spirit, if God dwells within us, we can also do those greater things, those amazing things that only God could do through us. And it's going to look different in our context, right? But God can do amazing things through us as a church body as we seek him and as we rely on on his Holy Spirit. God can do amazing things through you, uh, greater things. Uh, when I was uh, back at Emmanuel Church, so Emmanuel Church planted us, and actually my, my, the second sermon I preached uh, at Emmanuel was on Acts chapter 2. And I was reading back through that uh, sermon this week, and I uh, rediscovered uh, a, a story of Ron Trombley. So maybe some of you know Ron uh, or have been friends with him. He's still at Emmanuel Church. Uh, I believe in, uh, when I preached my candidating sermon, I talked about sharing the gospel, and then he came up and shared a story with me, and I wanted to kind of relay that story to you. Again, maybe you've heard it, maybe you haven't. So many years ago, Ron was on a business trip in the Upper Peninsula of Northern Michigan, uh, and to get back to Chicago, he had like multiple flights. I think it was like four or five different flights, uh, and when he got onto the plane, there was only a handful of people on the plane. In fact, there was more flight crew than actual uh, passengers on the plane. So it was a very empty uh, plane. And after the, the plane took off, the flight attendant walked by him and uh, walked by Ron and said, well, why do you look so happy? And he just replied, well, because I have Jesus in my life. And they thought to myself, why did I say that? Uh, where did that come from? It came from the Holy Spirit. God was doing something through Ron uh, that he was saying something that, that Ron wouldn't normally say, wouldn't normally do. And then the Holy Spirit was at work in this flight attendant because she sat down and said, well, tell me more. And so the flight attendant sat down and, and uh, they had a conversation. And for the rest of the flight to Chicago, Ron uh, shared the gospel with her. He said scripture came like pouring out of his mouth uh, in a way, like, he didn't even know that he knew some of these scripture passages. He was sharing God's word, and there was power in that. And then on their flight from, from like, the northern peninsula of, uh, of Michigan, uh, the northern uh, Michigan, uh, to Chicago, they would land the plane, they would take off, they'd land the plane, take off, and no one got on the plane, no one got off. So the flight attendants really didn't have to do much. And so they were able to continue the conversation. The Holy Spirit had arranged for their whole time together. And that morning when Ron left his hotel room, he found a copy of the four spiritual laws that a church had placed in his hotel room. 
So if you're not familiar with what that is, it's kind of like a basic Christianity, a basic how to believe in God, how to have a relationship with Christ Jesus, and there are some uh, Bible verses in there. And it turned out that the church that had placed that pamphlet was actually from this flight attendant's hometown. Uh, and so she was able uh, to then go and get connected with that church. And on that flight, by the end, she put her faith in Christ. Uh, and apparently she was like crying by the end and the crew was kind of giving Ron weird looks. Like, what did you do? Uh, and it's like, well, what did the Holy Spirit do? The Holy Spirit orchestrated the entire thing. The booklets, the flights, uh, the question, uh, the conversation, the Holy Spirit, uh, the, the, the scripture pouring out, and most importantly, the tender heart. Right, the willing heart in Ron will be willing to share the gospel and the tender heart in that flight attendant willing to hear the gospel. And so go out and do likewise. <laughs> we need to ask God, God, would you do things in us just like this? Would you do even greater things? Like the, whole, the same Holy Spirit that reside, resided in, uh, in the early church at Pentecost and resided in Peter uh, at this sermon resides in Ron and resides in you. As far as I know, the Holy Spirit has not lost any of his power, any of his ability to work miracles. And so we need to call on God and say, God, I need to be filled with your Holy Spirit to do this task because I will never share the gospel in my own strength. I will never do so effectively. I will never lead anyone to Christ. But I want to see you move. I want to see you work in my weakness, work in my frailty, work in my faulty memory and my, uh, my jumbled words. Work in my mistakes, even if I say the wrong things, Holy Spirit, come and fill me and use me and work through me. And so step three is rely on the Holy Spirit. Ask the Holy Spirit. Seek the Holy Spirit. Well, step three is good. Uh, it's encouraging. And step four is a little bit, I think, more challenging, but you can do it if you have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is filling you up and you're relying on him. And that's number four is talk about sin. Talk about sin. Peter doesn't shy away from their responsibility, their sin, as he preaches to them. Acts chapter 2, verses 22 through 23 say this. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. Whew. Peter is addressing the men of Jerusalem. So perhaps some of these men, people, women, children, perhaps they were actually there when Jesus was crucified and when Jesus was condemned. Perhaps they were a part of the crowd that shouted, crucify him, crucify him. But there's also other people, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia. There's people from around Jerusalem, throughout the area that have come to Jerusalem, perhaps as, that identify as men of Jerusalem, but aren't actually from Jerusalem. So I think the point here is that uh, Peter is saying, you're all responsible. You've all sinned in this way. You've all rejected God. At the end of the sermon, you know, he says that, it says that 3,000 people came to believe in Christ Jesus, would repent and were baptized. That implies that there was even more people there. There was more people present. And Peter is speaking to all of them, saying, you're all responsible for this sin. And as we look at our own lives, well, I wasn't in Jerusalem when Jesus was crucified. I'd look really good, I guess, if I was uh, that old. 
But we're all, we're all responsible for our sin in the ways that we reject Jesus. The, we're all responsible for, responsible for the ways that we reject God and we rebel against him. And so we need to come and realize that we're sinful and broken and that we need a savior. And so we need to trust in Christ. We need to seek him and we need to take responsibility for our sin. And so we can't be afraid to talk about sin. Maybe some of you have seen The Passion of the Christ. Well, do you know that Mel uh, Gibson, the director, he's in that movie. Uh, yeah, he holds the nail and pounds the nail into Christ's hands. Uh, that's, that's his hands. Uh, Gibson said, it was me that put him on the cross. It was my sins. Take responsibility. Don't be afraid to talk about sin. Uh, it's not popular. It's much easier to just talk about love. God loves you, and that's true. Uh, but you're, God loves you despite yourself. God loves you despite your sin and your brokenness. And so there's ways that we can do this, right? We can just, every, you know, people say, you just like point it out and be like, sin! <laughs> well, when you point, right, there's like one finger pointing at them, but then there's three pointing back at yourself. And so that's a good way to remember that if you're going to address sin, just admit your own sin. Like, may this be a part of a conversation where you say, here are some of my sins, here are some of my struggles, and you're like that too. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. The Bible delivers bad news, but it also delivers wonderful good news. You're condemned, but you're also not condemned if you know Christ Jesus and you are in him. See, we need a savior, but we need a savior who saves us from something saves us from our sin, and the only way that happens is as we recognize that the Holy Spirit comes into our hearts and, and convicts us of our sin. And so don't be afraid to talk about sin. Talk about it from a place of humility and owning your own sin, but, but address it. So don't be afraid to talk about sin is step number four. Peter, I think, uh, does this from a place of humility. Remember, Peter denied Jesus three times. I don't think Peter does this from a place of judgmentalism or condemnation, but from a place of, of someone who, who sinned and received forgiveness. Because that's, what's Peter, that's what Peter is working towards, grace and forgiveness. See, a recognition of sin leads to a desire for forgiveness. It leads to a desire for grace. That leads me into step number five, emphasize the resurrection, right? Emphasize Christ's power over sin and death. Peter preaches on the resurrection of Jesus from the dead for the next nine verses. This is the longest section where he talks about Jesus rising from the dead. Acts 2 verse 24. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. And then he, he goes to the Old Testament and says, see how this was prophesied all along uh, with King David? Uh, with God's anointed uh, Messiah, God's special king. See, King David prophesied that one day a uh, Messiah would come and die and rise again. And uh, Peter talks about this, and he quotes from the book of Psalms. Peter says, uh, this is quoting David. Uh, Peter says, Therefore my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. 
My body also will rest in hope because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead. You will not let your Holy One see decay. Now, David's not talking about himself here because David dies. David's body sees decay. But David is prophesying. He is speaking of the one who is to come. God's special savior, God's special king who is going to bring deliverance from death. And God promises that anyone who believes in this Messiah, this Savior who, who, who rises again, who receives that resurrection, will also receive resurrection from the dead. Do you, do you realize how awesome that is? How amazing that is? Because like, apparently the odds of me dying this year, I'm 32, is 0.16%. Right? That's not bad. My odds are pretty good that I'm not going to die this year. But do you know what the odds of me dying are? <laughs> pretty good. 100% that I am at some point going to die unless Jesus returns before then. Guess what? This could be your year. <laughs> this could be your year that you die. Matt Chandler preached a sermon. He made this point. It was just it was convicting, but it was encouraging, but challenging. This could be the year that you face your creator. I haven't had to do many funerals at Cornerstone, but this could be the year that we face our creator. And wouldn't it be nice if we could know that, that that's not the end? That it's not just like blackness, nothingness, or, or torment, or whatever? Wouldn't it be nice to know if like, we could actually come back from that to a, 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 a better, uh, joyful, sinless life? Well, that's what the resurrection is. The resurrection is powerful. Everyone is afraid of their death. I don't care what they say to you. They're going to face it at some point. So we need to talk about the resurrection. This is the ultimate hope. Not only just that end, like future resurrection, when Christ finally returns and calls those that are uh, dead uh, back to life. Like, if you tell them about the resurrection you are like, displaying hope in the resurrection. Like you are displaying hope for the resurrection of their souls. That God can do something in them to raise them from death to life. So like there's this future hope that God's gonna do it one day for me, but then there's this present hope that God can spiritually raise them from the dead in this moment. Because to be apart from Christ is to be dead in our sin and our transgressions. Wouldn't it be nice if there was someone that like, came back from the grave <laughs> And told us there's a way forward, and that's Jesus Christ. Uh, apparently, uh, since the lifetime of Jesus, since his uh, life, death, and resurrection and ascension, about 60 billion people have lived on planet Earth. Right? So, seven ish billion people alive today. 53 billion people have died. We're all going to face it. But Christ Jesus. Has defeated the grave and can defeat your death and my death. The resurrection is powerful. Let's talk about it as part of our gospel witness. Number six, we can't forget the most important part to bring it to Jesus. Thankfully, when you start talking about the resurrection, you're going to talk about Jesus. But verse 21, Peter said this And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. 
But if you jump to 36, he says, Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this, that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. In other words, anyone who calls on the name of Jesus will be saved. Sometimes we can get so wrapped up in like presenting good reasons to believe in Jesus that we just forget to talk about Jesus. Forget to talk about his death and resurrection and his life. And we did talk about it in Christian Ed this morning, but the gospel isn't just a transaction like Jesus forgives me of my sins and I get to go to heaven. The gospel is knowing Christ Jesus. It's loving him, it's adoring him, it's being loved and adored by him. This is what it means to be a Christian. Now, as we're walking with him and experiencing his love and joy, Lord willing, our, our fears about sharing with others, our fears about um, talking about the gospel are gonna you know, maybe dampen, maybe not go away completely, but at least they will be smaller in light of his love for us. And so bring it to Jesus. Share, share that they can know the one who can forgive them. Share that they can be forgiven because you've been forgiven and you know Jesus. Share about him. And number seven, we need a call for repentance and faith. So those listening, as they heard about their sin and they heard about this Messiah, they heard about Jesus, it says they were cut to the heart. Something got through. The Holy Spirit just like opened this little door and the message went right in. The Holy Spirit was speaking through Peter and to them. Verse 38, Peter replied, repent and be baptized. They're like, what should we do? Repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Peter calls them to admit their sins and to believe. Baptism uh, is a confession of faith. It's not that the washing of the water somehow heals you of your sins. The baptism is a public confession of, I believe in Jesus. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is King. Jesus is Savior. That's why we do it. I identify with Jesus with his death as I go under the water and his resurrection as I, arrive, uh, as I rise back from the water. Lord willing, we're going to have a baptism in February. It's going to be really exciting to, to witness that moment and to be re, to reminded of that kind of public confession of faith in Christ Jesus. And so as we, uh, as we share the gospel, we do need to call for repentance and faith, repentance and belief. Uh, to say, okay, you have sins, but that's why we repent. That's why we turn to Jesus. That's why we turn from our sins. Uh, this doesn't have to be a, a big complicated thing. You could say something like, uh, would you like to pray for Jesus to forgive uh, your sins and accept him as your Lord and Savior? Would you like to pray? Admit you're sinful and that you need a Savior. That's calling to repentance and faith. Don't forget that part. <laughs> and so we do this. We, we challenge people, we encourage them to come to Jesus, make that, that next step. And so the seven steps to sharing the gospel are one, engage with objections, two, share scripture, three, rely on the spirit, four, talk about sin, five, emphasize the resurrection, bring it to Jesus, seven, call for repentance and faith. And if you do all these things, they will guaranteed come to Jesus. <laughs> it's not how it works. But 3,000 people, put their faith in Christ Jesus that day and repented and, and believed and were baptized. That's huge. God can do greater things 
through us. God can do greater things through you. If you believe in the resurrection, it means that God can resurrect from the grave, from the spiritual grave of death and sin. Your coworkers, your family members, your friends, and strangers that you come in contact with. God can do that. I want to see that happen. I want to be a part of that. And so I'm going to pray that this week and over the course of this month and this year that God gives you opportunities time and time again to share the gospel. Maybe something in this will uh, come to your mind and it will help you. But I pray that you would also pray for opportunities to share the gospel, that you would make that part of your daily and weekly routine. Lord, would you give me opportunities to share about you? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the gospel. Thank you that you call us to be a gospel witness, that you love us, that you forgive us, and that you invite us into your mission. You invite us to go and to share with others. Lord, I meant what I said, Lord. Would you give us, would you give me, would you give each one of us who knows you, who loves you, opportunities to share the gospel this week, this month, this year, with family members, with friends, with coworkers? Lord, would you take away our fears And just help us to walk through those moments with Christ Jesus, to walk faithfully with him. Lord, we need your Holy Spirit to fill us so that we can do this. Would you fill your people in this church? Fill your congregation, fill your body. Fill the body of Christ Jesus with power to go out to share the gospel with others. Lord, please bless this offering. In Jesus' name, amen.